listening to Chill Time with Will Moore. Yo, what's happening? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is your host, William Moore, and this is another episode of Chill Time is Will Time. I'd like to thank you all for joining me. Um, thank you all. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you're somebody who's been listening all along, continue listening and get some other listeners on here. I appreciate you guys staying in with me and uh, continuing to be uh, loyal listeners to the podcast. Um, it's been a pretty decent past couple weeks, pretty decent uh, week. Um, I'd like to thank everybody who chimed in and had something to say about the last episode uh, with my friend Adrian Mack. Um, he is uh, a real a, a real good friend of mine. Um, him, He and I have not known each other for a very long time, but we definitely connect on so many different levels and love to kind of sit back and chill and talk with another, uh, another introspective intellectual individual. So for everybody who's had something to say about that episode, greatly appreciate you. And I'm sure he greatly appreciates uh, you paying attention as well. Um, Today there is no guest. It's just going to be me today. Um, So for those who have gotten accustomed to me having guests on all the time, just little old me today. But uh, I hope I can bring you the same source of uh, fulfilling entertainment that you usually get. Um, I haven't done... I actually haven't done a uh, graduate decisions um, segment in a while. Um, and the reason I haven't done that is just because there's just too much stupid shit going on, to be honest with you. I feel like I can make a whole episode off of graduate decisions, to be real. Um, but if I'm going to do so uh, today, um, gosh, what would I pick? Um Maybe it would have to be the President of the United States mocking a sexual assault victim. Doesn't get much lower than that. Doesn't get dumber than that. And uh, for all you people out there who support him or voted for him, I'll let that sit on your conscience. a lot of you, I don't think you really even have one, and I don't think it bothers you. But that's pretty that's pretty brazen, pretty insulting, and pretty ridiculous, and very unbecoming of the office. But at this point, there is no standards for uh, uh, the office of president of the United States anymore. So I guess there's no more standards to break, because um, we definitely, uh, our, our, our government officials, on both sides of the aisle, to be honest with you, aren't anything to brag about. None of them are for the people. All of them are for themselves and for money. But I digress. I'm not. I didn't plan on making this a political episode. I actually wanted to make this episode more about sports. Um, some some smaller topics and some bigger topics. Uh, I want to talk about Clemson's decision, uh, Dabo Sweeney's decision to uh, pick. Uh, What's his name? Tyler Lawrence to be the freshman quarterback to be the starter over Kelly Bryant. I wanted to talk about uh, Conor McGregor's fight and his eventual loss to Mr. Khabib. I can't pronounce his last name right, so I'm not even going to hammer it. But I know most of you who paid attention to the fight know what it's about. And I'm also going to make some parallels to uh, or link some parallels for you guys. 
from a lot of the rhetoric that was spouted out before the fight, link that to the inevitable results at the end of the fight, and how we shouldn't all be that surprised and link it to some things that are going on uh, in everyday life, right? Uh, as we, as, you know, right now. Um, but uh, first, um, to talk about the Clemson decision. So, as many of you know, uh, a couple weeks ago, for 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 you who follow follow college football um, closely, uh, Clemson, who is maybe the number three ranked team in the nation right now, they came in with a senior starter, Kelly Bryant, um, as quarterback, and had a very very uh, high profile. Prolific backup quarterback and a freshman, uh, Trevor Lawrence. I'm sorry, earlier I said Tyler. His name is Trevor Lawrence. Um, both kids good. Um, Kelly Bryan obviously has the uh, the experience um, and has shown himself to be a pretty good leader. Um, Trevor Lawrence, the incumbent, a lot of decent skills on him. Um, but I kind of wanted to talk about Dabo Sweeney's decision to uh, put Trevor, make Trevor Lawrence a starter. Um, and the reason I have issue with that, and some may disagree, is Dabo Sweeney said that he had given both of them ample opportunity or ability to prove themselves in a game and that Trevor Lawrence just uh, performed better, that they both had equal opportunity. I actually want to um, push back against that idea. Um as a current semi-professional athlete and as an ex-college football player, um, I feel like you're given a fair shot to compete for the position during practice and in practice. If you haven't set yourself apart in practice uh, or made yourself the clear-cut starter in practice, then things are going to be as is. I think to in the in the mix of the middle of a game to switch quarterbacks in and out the way Dabo Sweeney was, um, having Kelly Bryant run some series, taking him out, then putting Trevor Lawrence in some series, um, I actually don't think that that was very good for either, I, I, either quarterback. Um, I don't think it was a fair opportunity to Kelly Bryant either. Um, and I think ultimately the decision may come back to bite him on the butt. And this is the reason why I say that. College football coaches are always talking about loyalty and family and stuff like that in a locker room um, and trying to uh, implement a culture of unity uh, and family um, and, and that this is what's key to fostering a winning attitude. Well, there was no loyalty shown to Kelly Bryant. And, this is, and, and where I'm getting at that is, you see... When Dabo Swinney was explaining his decision to um, allow Trevor uh, 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 to to give Trevor Lawrence the starting position or the nod to be the starting quarterback, he um, even admitted himself that Kelly Bryant didn't do anything to lose the position. So he wasn't having he wasn't playing back poorly. He wasn't you know making a lot of negative decisions with the ball. Um, and if you looked at their stats comparatively, they were somewhat slimmer. Trevor Lawrence's were a little bit better. But if anybody who analyzes the game, too, will also know that his stats were a little skewed. And the reason I say that is because I watched one game in particular. Um, it might have been against Texas A&M. Um, Trevor Lawrence throws essentially like a 15-yard pass. It wasn't a great pass at that. But the receiver makes a spectacular catch. 
breaks one, two tackles, then sprints another 60, 70 yards for a touchdown. I've seen on several times receivers make plays like that for Trevor Lawrence, not, not essentially uh, Kelly Bryant. I just talked that up to a luck of the draw. Do you, blame, do, you, do you count that against Trevor Lawrence? No, not at all. Just how it goes, luck of the draw. But to use those stats, which were barely yardage-wise and a little bit percentage-wise, throwing percentage-wise, um, better than Kelly Bryant to say that that is um, reason for him to be placed a starter, um, especially when you look at it from the standpoint of a lot of those yardage are, are, are yard, that uh, Trevor Lawrence – uh, has allotted to him are run out to the catch yards, which means the receivers themselves got them the yards. And it's a misrepresentation of the production on the field. Um, and furthermore, if Trevor Lawrence is that great, he should have set himself apart from Kelly Bryant in practice and should have been named the starter all along, not after, you know, a couple games of switching them in and out, breaking up both players' rhythm on the field. Now, again, like I said, I know people will have differing opinions on that. But I just don't think, um, as a head coach, when you're trying to uh, foster a mentality of uh, family and loyalty and stuff like that, which we know college sports is, and it's a business, no matter how much coaches or the NCAA try to say otherwise. We know it's a business. But as much as they try to tell these players that, um, to to essentially renege on that uh, against a senior quarterback, I just think is a failure on that behalf of the coach. Now, Clemson is a pretty talented team. Chances are um, we won't see an immediate effect of that. They'll continue to go on. They'll win, maybe compete for the ACC title, maybe make it to the college football playoff. But I think it it has more long-term implications from the standpoint of there will be some uh, high-profile recruits who may look at that and just say, well, you know what? When, the, when, when, when Clemson recruiters come and sit in their living rooms and give these speeches, these togetherness, these family speeches, uh, any speech that isn't aligned with strictly business, a lot of these families and these players are going to call bullshit. And Clemson is going to have to live with that. They're going to have to explain that, as, as well as many other college football coaches who choose to make such decisions. Um, but that's my saying about that. Like I said, I know many, I've seen many people have disagreements on it. Um, and there are some people who agree with what, you know, what I'm saying. I'm um, either more, I'd like to hear some people's feedback. Uh, so get at me at chilltimepod at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. Now, the more serious topic that I want to talk about now is the Conor McGregor and Khabib fight. Everybody knows who Conor McGregor is. Very bombastic, uh, MMA fighter. Um, the notorious, you know, his nickname, what he calls himself, um, talked a lot of trash before this fight and proceeded to get his ass clinically beat down just the same way it did before Floyd Mayweather. Now, I must say, I there's, there's several things I want to preface before I start, uh, start into this conversation about Conor McGregor and my feelings on Conor McGregor. Um, I, am not, I am not an MMA person. I don't really watch MMA. I've watched a few MMA fights in my life. Um, they were okay. wasn't really into it. I'm more of a boxing person. Um, but I kind of respected Conor McGregor a little bit. His, uh, his, his, you know, the fact that he, uh, 
you know, had a great record, um, is known as a prolific fighter. And I don't manage trash talking. I come from a family. We trash talk a lot in sports, do a lot of trash talking. But there's certain lines that you don't cross. And he started to show me signs of crossing lines that he shouldn't do before his fight with Flora Mayweather. Now, I don't know how everybody else feels. There's some people who don't like trash talking at all. I like to say, you know, whatever. You know, to me, it's a, it's a mind game and it's a part of sports. You know, if you think trash talking is bad sportsmanship, that's why I just have to disagree with you. But there's a way to do it. And even before the Floyd Mayweather fight, Conor McGregor was saying some very, like, pseudo-racist or just flat-out racist stuff about Floyd Mayweather to Floyd Mayweather. Now, say what you want to say about him trying to get people involved in the fight and sell tickets. Hey, listen, there's some stuff you just don't do. You know what I mean? You don't drop racial or racist innuendos. You don't talk about people's families. You don't talk about people's religions, any of that type of stuff. And he was doing that. And so even though I'm not a Floyd Mayweather fan, um, I rooted for Floyd to beat his ass. And that's just the fact of the matter. You know, I, I think Floyd Mayweather is the greatest boxer, of, one of the greatest boxers of all time. He's not the greatest, but he's one of the greatest boxers of all time. He's kind of a shit human being. And I think as a person, as an individual person, he's not that great of a person. But if we're talking about boxing skills and what he's done in boxing and for boxing, he's one of the greatest boxers of all time. So I have my doubts from the jump that McGregor could come in, switch, you know, go into a totally different sport and beat one of the greatest boxers of all time. But I definitely wanted him to lose after the type of noise that he was talking. And true to Floyd's word, he ended the fight, knocked the guy out, or got a technical knockout, a stoppage. In like the 10th round. Now, you would think that Conor McGregor might learn his lesson, you know, as far as getting too personal with the trash talk. Um, he did, he continued. Um, and when he continued with this fight with this guy, could be. And this is where I have the issue with it. And this is where I have an issue with a lot of people who are actually uh, Conor McGregor apologists and people who support uh, Conor McGregor. And and this is and this is why I also go as far as to say too. Once again, even though I am not an MMA person, I didn't know anything about this Khabib cat. I actually believed he was going to win going into it, and I'm going to tell you why. I was sitting around watching ESPN one day, um, actually a couple days ago before the fight, and they were doing ESPN always does these little buildups for any big fight. It's a boxing match, MMA fight. They do like these bios on these different. Uh, uh, the different competitors, the different fighters. Um, they did the, you know, the bio on Conor McGregor. I kind of knew his whole story. Um, and then they did the bio on Khabib. And the bio is about Khabib is not what had me thinking that he was going to win. It was when the, the guy, when he was talking, the look in his face is when I thought he was going to win. Khabib had the deadest, soulless look in his eyes when he was talking about you know, his training and the fight leading up to Conor McGregor. He, to be you know, and I'm not trying to insult the guy, whatever. It's not meant as, a, meant as an insult. But he looked like a soulless sociopath, just dead look in his eyes. And when I sat back and saw that, I remember saying to myself, this is a different type of cat. This ain't just a regular fighter. This dude looks like an actual, he, this guy looks like a murderer. This isn't a fighter. And right then and there, I was like, 
I don't think Conor McGregor really has an idea about who he's about to get in the ring and fight. I think he's thinking that this is some normal MMA fight. This is some normal guy that he's going up against and that he can say some of the things he's going to say and it's going to be over with. Now, I've never seen any other interview or bio on the Khabib cat. Um, so I don't know if he always looks like that before an interview or he had extra motivation because it was McGregor and the things McGregor was saying about him. But, yo, I like I said, I looked into the guy's face, and he looked like some of the catch that I know back from my old neighborhood who I know were just about that. In a manner of words, in a manner of speaking, they're about that life. Like, it's not a sport. It's not a game to them. They handle business, and they get up out of, they get up out of dodge. And another thing that added motive, another thing that added motivation, I think, that Khabib had for the fight, and 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 why I actually, I'm actually one of the people. There's a lot of people, commentators, uh, some fans, everybody that says, you know, the brawl that broke out at the end of the fight um, was disgraceful. That uh, you know, Khabib fought a great fight and he tarnished his championship win by jumping, uh, you know, over a fence at some of Conor McGregor's supporters or I guess one of his training partners, the coaches, and that. Khabib's uh, uh, people from Khabib's corner jumping in the ring attacking McGregor that it was out of line and that it was inappropriate and it was disgraceful. I'm actually going to say it wasn't. I'm actually going to say the people who are saying it's disgraceful are coming from a very idealistic mindset, not a realistic mindset. They're not dealing with the real world and real world issues. And this is where I'm getting at that from. Once again, what Conor McGregor did with this trash talk before this even started is he made it personal and he crossed the line. He insulted Khabib's country. He insulted him as a person. He insulted the guy's family. And he insulted his religion. Those are lines that you don't cross. He even went as far as to call Khabib's trainer, which is one of his trainers, which is his father. He, made, he insinuated that Khabib's father was a 9-11 terrorist. Because he's a Muslim. Now listen, we all know that this day and age, you know, to be affiliated or called a terrorist because of your religion, especially if you have any sort of connection or affiliation with Islam or the religion, that is a no, that's something that you don't play around with and you don't do because of the political atmosphere and how um, the word Muslim, the religion Islam has been politicized um, and, you know, by different politicians and, uh, uh, um, and extremist individuals out there. I'll be the first to tell you, are there some, uh, Muslim terrorists in the world, Muslim extremists? There are, but there's some Christian ones as well. There's Jewish ones as well. There are Hindu and Buddhist extremists and terrorists as well. There are terrorists and extremists and extremists of all denominations of religions out there. But because this day and age, it's easy to win votes and politicize and turn people against uh, people who are followers of the Islamic faith. I just think that that's something that you don't do. For instance, I wonder how people would have reacted if Khabib had gotten up and was trash talking and was insulting Christians and calling um you know, calling Conor McGregor a Christian terrorist and calling him in some other type of dinner, you know, using some other type of denigrated uh, uh, name or slur 
to refer to Conor McGregor, his skin tone or his religion or his family. Not to mention, if people remember the bus incident last year where Conor McGregor faced some, I call what I call pity pat charges, um, not even serious charges for what happened um, a year ago um, of when he took, he would, you know, he took, a, I guess, a roll cart or whatnot or a, a dolly and threw it through a bus window. That was Khabib's bus, uh, a bus that he actually threw that if, uh, cart through and vandalized. Shattered glass and almost blinded two people who were related to or friends of Khabib on that bus. So as you can see, Khabib had all the motivation in the world to to want to win this fight and prove a point to Conor McGregor. Not and not just to win win the fight, but internalize it, personalize it, and take it past the fight. Because before what you know, even though people were, you know, people were making comments that, you know, what happened after the fight that was that was too far gone, that was way beyond the fight. You got to realize with your, you know, people say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never can never hurt you. This day and age, words can get you killed. Words can do more than hurt you. They can get you killed. You say the wrong thing to the wrong person and people are shot, stabbed and beat up every day over that. Racial slurs, religious, you know, denigrations will get you killed. And Conor McGregor went way past that before this fight. So if you ask me what happened at the end of the fight was just a natural progression. It was it was a realistic outcome. There was nothing confusing about that. Anybody not expecting something like that to go down. Anybody not expecting somebody who was who's who was attacked and had his family members personally attacked with a cart, a dolly a year before, had his religion and his family put under the microscope days and weeks before a fight and accused as being a terrorist days and weeks before a fight you expect it to end at him getting a tap out that's ridiculous you're living in an idealistic not realistic world and anybody and I'll even push go a step further and push it as far as to say anybody who didn't call Conor McGregor out and say anything about the 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 religious and racial slurs that he was throwing at Khabib before the fight you don't have a you don't have the right to criticize how Khabib and his and his family and corner acted at the end of the fight you don't and if you do you're a hypocrite Dana White being one of them. The head of UFC. He was all good and fine with McGregor saying whatever he wanted to do to, to, to sell tickets for that fight. All good and fine with that. Let the man get personally insulted, you know, push, push to the brink, and then have something to say at the end of the fight. You, you know what? You got what you asked for. And this seems to be a trend. You know, I look at, I look at Muslims, you know, women... And minorities is being marginalized people right now in this day and age. There are all these groups are under attack by white supremacist patriarchal, you know, identities and structures, which I believe Conor McGregor represented. Yes, I understand Khabib, uh, you know, is uh, from Russia, European, you know, he's white, but he's but he's also of Muslim faith, and they're being attacked. 
on an everyday basis. And Conor McGregor used it. So, that's, so, so that, that highlights that there's nuances to how white supremacy can work and patriarchy can work. And Conor McGregor used that upon his opponent, and it backfired. He got beat down during the fight, and then he got beat down a little bit after the fight when some of Khabib's followers or, or uh, people from his corner jumped in the ring and attacked him. Now, these, you know, apologists for people who who use verbal onslaughts and insults to attack others and attack marginalized people and then uh, uh, make excuses when people react like human beings react realistically and retaliate. Because what, what do we what do we know? What does science tell us about animals, human beings and animals? Because human beings are essentially animals and we're only made civilized by our surroundings of the people who uh, bring culture into our existence or into our presence. That when pushed to the brink or cornered or backed into a wall, we have our fight or flight reaction. We either run as fast as we can to get away from the danger or we attack and we fight until we can't fight anymore. When you attack people like that, you can't be stunned that people don't cower and run away from you. You have to expect that some people are going to fight back. And if you're not prepared, they might whip your ass. I saw a parallel to the argument I'm making about the reactions at the end of this UFC fight on CNN a week or so ago. Don Lemon was asking um, several of the pundits on there. What do they make of um, a lot of liberal constituents coming out and harassing uh, conservative politicians out in public in restaurants and stuff like that, basically running them out? And a lot of these pundits were saying, you know, hey, I'm all for free speech. Um, yes, the Republicans have you know, crossed the line. They've done this and they've done that. But running these people out of public... Uh, arenas is, is not okay. It's not fair. It's not right. Well, I will say to those people as well, get real. You're being, you're expecting an unrealistic reaction to realistic dangers that people are facing. And so what do I mean by that? Meaning that Republican policy, politicians have shown that they don't care about anybody, anybody at all but themselves. Okay. They have shown that they are willing to put to do anything possible to push forth their agenda, breaking rules, lying under the oath, getting people confirmed that are not fit for positions, taking away people's health care so they can uh, uh, afford big tax cuts, taking away people's um, social security so they can afford big tax cuts for the rich and wealthy. So essentially, they, with their policies and their greed, they're endangering people's well-being and people's lives through their legislation. And you think people are just going to sit back and take that? People are scared for their futures. People are literally scared for their lives. Now, if any of these people had come out and physically attacked any of these politicians, is it illegal? Yes. Would I would say it is wrong? Yes. But would I still kind of expect it? Yep, I would. Because fear is one of the greatest motivators there is. It might not be the motivator that you want to use, but it is still one of the greatest motivators that it is. And when people feel like that simply talking is not working or expressing themselves uh, 
um, in a cordial manner and simple, simply making requests is not, are, are not working for them. Especially when it comes to they making these requests and being ignored by the very same politicians and representatives who are putting office to represent them, to work for them. How do you expect them to react? So, no, I disagree wholeheartedly with these pundits on CNN and with Don Lemon. You might not like it, but guess what? It's a public arena. And you're toying with people's lives. So, yes, they had access to you and they ran you. They ran them away. We see what happens when people seek to confront them on, on their grounds. You know, in their buildings, they hide in their offices, security sit in the hallways. They don't have access to to their representatives to talk to them. They ignore them. They brush them off. They blow them off. So you're damn right. They're catching them when they're out in public, eating dinner, stuff like that. So I say this to these politicians and to these pundits who are complaining that people are running uh, these reps out of restaurants and, and, and other public places. As long as these people aren't breaking into these you know, politicians' homes and stuff like that and harassing them, deal with it. If you're a politician, a legislator, or making decisions that have these drastic effects on your constituents or other people, um, and, it, when you, and you know for a fact, because we all know, we can just look at the legislation for ourselves and tell, they're doing, it, they're doing it out of greed. There's no other motivation behind a lot of the policies that they're making. You know what? Man up and woman up. Man up and woman up and take it. If you don't want it, resign. Because you accepted that when you accepted the, your position. You, just as you accepted the power to screw people over, take their money, enrich yourselves, take care of yourselves, look out for your own initiatives um, and, uh, and things that benefit you and not for your constituents as you were put in, you were put in office to do, hey, you also accepted the fact that you're going to be harassed and pressured in, 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 you know, in public arenas. That's just how it goes. You know, it all, it all makes me think about, and it all comes back to when I hear, when I heard, you know, Trump supporters and a lot of far right wingers say that. And even it makes me angry that some, you know, some a, a, a liberal or democratic Policymaker said the same that people on the left needed to be uh, be more civil. Really, I'm sorry, but shut the hell up! Like again, you can't be the bully. You can't push people around, punk them around, and expect people to t everybody to, t to run. Like I said, science says animals and human beings have fight or flight. It's fifty fifty. You're gonna get one another. And you're getting the other. Deal with it. If you don't want people fighting back with you, you know, you know, tooth and nail, then do the right thing. Be you be civil. You can't be you can't be an uncivilized person or make uncivilized decisions that harm other people and have a drastic effect on other people, but then expect a civil reaction. That's what people, Dana White and, and, and some of these Conor McGregor uh, apologists were expecting out of Khabib and his crew. That's what some of these CNN pundits were expecting out of constituents confronting uh, 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 lawmakers in public places and in restaurants. That's what some of these far-right people were expecting out of uh, 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 some of these other liberal, liberal constituents when they asked for civility to, in reaction to their uncivil behavior.
you're all living in the idealistic world. Expect you know, or uh, you're living, or you're living in a realistic world, and you're expecting an idealistic reactions. It's not happening. It's not going to happen. You need you 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 have to get with the program, and you have to realize where where it is that you are. You know, you have to come out of your bubble. Or people are showing you that if you refuse to come out of your bubble, they're going to bust your damn bubble and they're coming in to show you what it's really like. And I, for one, think that it's what's needed and I'm glad. And I actually think that if this so-called blue wave does happen and there is a, a, a huge turn in the house and it's turned blue, then I think people can need to continue to keep up with the pressure. And they need to do the same thing to Democratic lawmakers. Because we can't forget that a lot of this happened because a lot of Democratic lawmakers, especially corporate Dems, are doing the same thing. They're doing it. They're, they're in the office making legislation and stuff like that, doing a lot of things for themselves. They are, in fact, not at all, not at all thinking about the least of us. Usually it's always appeal to the minorities, get their vote, make them a priority. You guys have heard this come from me before. This isn't brand new. And then after we get their vote in an office, we're not going to do anything. They're no longer priority. When it was a drug, it's, it, it's, it's always about a fad. It's what's going to get votes at the time. It's whatever the political fad is at the time. You know, in the 80s, it was the drug war. 90s was the drug war. Now it's women's rights. Now a lot of these politicians are seeing... You know, and a lot of women are, are, are in an uproar because conservatives are attacking their rights over their body. They're trying to systematically strip away the rights of women and control over their bodies. And so what are politicians talking about now? They're talking about sexual assault and the rights of women by, women's bodies. When, tell, name another time when they've talked a lot about, uh, as much about women's rights and bodies as the way they are now. Name another time where they've cared as much about Roe versus Wade have they since now. Until now. Now, many people may say, oh, they weren't talking about it because it wasn't um, under under attack as it was before. But I'll actually throw, the, throw it out there and continue with you that it, it was always under attack. The way women are treated now, they've always been treated that way. They've always been treated as second-class citizens uh, the way minorities have. Now, I will admit there are also tears to this. Black women get it, you know. Black or women, black women or women of color, uh, have it way worse than white women. And I don't think anybody with their, you know, in their right mind who knows the facts, the data, statistics, can argue that, or argue against that. But women have always been under attack. But since now, it seems like a political hot button. Then you hear you now we're getting a lot of uh, uh, Democratic lawmakers using that um, to get votes. So I say to all women and people of color out there, if even if you do turn the house blue, keep the pressure on even with these Democratic lawmakers to make sure that they actually keep their promises. And if they aren't keeping their promises, attack them in the restaurants, you know, harass them in the restaurants, you know, uh, um, um, protest in their hallways, march on them the same way you're doing now. Because the thing is, the moment you take your foot off their throat, they will continue to do the same things that they have always done. Why? Because it's habitual. It's been this way for 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 decades. It's been this way for under, over a hundred years. This is how pop, you know politics has operated. 
And I'll actually say, it goes to go a step further and say that it's actually gotten worse. Why? Because we've, we've continued to be lax with our fight and uh, attention to detail when it comes to equity, equality, and the fight for rights and social justice. And so slowly, they're veered further and further over into the deep end. So far into the deep end that if you really look at uh, the democratic agenda and democratic policies now, or liberal policies now, they actually resemble those of conservative policies decades ago. But we become so lax and stop paying attention to things so much that we don't even see that the, the, the slide, you know, the gradual slide that the politics has taken. Because we've all been stuck in the mode of continuing to pick the lesser of two evils. Well, the lesser of two evils is still evil. And if we truly want things to get better, then we need to hold those that we don't like, those that we like accountable, just as much as we hold those that we don't like accountable. Um, damn, I know I said I wasn't going to get political on this, but it was just too damn easy to do so. And I guess that's what's uh, really on my mind and in my heart, really. I guess, you know, it's hard not to uh, see a lot of the parallels with, you know, with what's been going on. Um, so somehow I went from Conor McGregor being Islamophobic and racist and deserving to get his ass whooped into let's keep the pressure on the the conservatives and the Dems alike to make sure that all power does go back to the people. Um, that being said, I suppose I should get off of here and stop ranting. But that was just a little piece of my mind, man. Um, I would love to know what some other, some other people uh, uh, think about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just love to see what some other people have to say about it and, you know, how they feel, um, how they feel, you know, if, if anything, if, if anything that I said has any relevance to their life. Um, I'd also, I'd also like to hear from some of you Conor McGregor apologists too. Because um, the thing that even sparked this uh, this conversation and me even want to talk about him is I heard somebody say that say what you want to about Conor McGregor, that he's always classy. Um, he's classy in his losses. And I'm thinking, when the hell has this dude ever been classy? I'm sorry. Well, as soon as you start being Islamophobic or racist or whatever, your class went out the window. You know, and one could say it's easy to be kind of classy or humble. Um after a fight that you get your ass handed to you after being racist and, and completely disrespectful to the opponent before. I guess you can't be anything but humble, you know. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, so, yeah, uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time out to listen to this episode, taking the time out to listen to me rant and rave. And um, I love the fact uh that you know, occasionally I get people who will chime in and either agree or disagree with me. Send emails with uh, pointers about how to make the podcast better. Questions for me to elaborate on something I said or something I guess said, uh, or something else that they want to hear, a topic they want to hear. Also, if you're interested in ever being a guest on the show, please reach out to me. Um, get at me at chilltimepod at gmail dot com. Um, I've now at the behest of my uh, cousin Kenny. Uh, who has the uh, Any Kenny podcast, um, he has uh, also told me, 
You know what, cuz you gotta you gotta get on Instagram. You gotta get your Instagram page for the podcast. So I've broken down and I've done that. And uh, so you know, Chill Time Pod is uh, on Instagram as well now. So if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, please do so. Um, and I'd appreciate that. Other than that, keep spreading the word about uh, the podcast. Love to get more listeners on. Um, I'm also going to try to work on uh, getting some business cards and stuff like that made for the podcast, getting some T-shirts made for the podcast, because I want to have something that is available uh, for the different guests that I've had on who have really taken the time out uh, of their day and in their life to contribute by, you know, taking an hour or two out and, you know, either calling me or coming and visiting me and, and really share with you and opening up about that themselves and their personal lives and share with you about what they do. Um, they don't have to do that, but they, you know, were gracious enough to do that for me and share a part of themselves with all you guys. So I just want a little something, something to give back to them. So definitely going to, you know, talking about getting T-shirts made um, just to hand out as little freebies to to uh, to guests that have been on on the show. Um and if there's any ideas that you guys have of different little incentives I can get to people just to show my appreciation for being on the podcast, please, please let me know. Uh, shoot me an email about that. Um, but with that, with that being said, I'm going to stop rambling in you guys' ear. And uh, I'm going to get out of here, man. So uh, once again, this has been Chill Time as Will Time. Uh, as always, I'm your host, William Moore. And guess what, folks? I'm out of here. Straight six with the six old plates and the GP sticker Shifting the stick like I just did a sticker I just made the picker Smell it through the bag like I didn't do the zipper Feds on my back so I better not slip up Tiptronic grip and I won't trip up Trying to be a six figure nigga With a bank roll that's thicker than a snicker That's why you gotta stand and deliver Now in fact you stand I'll deliver Life is a bitch you don't get what you give her And as a result I fucked up my liver Used to spend nights doing cans by the river Now we in cans on the French Riviera Me and Blush Dab just enjoying the weather Reaping rewards of our latest endeavour Look in the mirror, fate undercovers in the black Thank God I'm in the bimmer Can't get nicked, I'm at the Oxo for dinner Table for two with a few, I can't miss If I do, she goes nuts and I just can't deal with her So I do the dip real quick, parked up right beside the next switch Jump inside it and I'm gone City sticker, looking straight sick in that V6 with the six old plates and the charcoal leather. Looking like Jaws with the shark antenna. Heavy on the gas like Senna. Trip to the corner shop cost me a tenner. I got bear cats blowing up my bella. Cause I cook it up better than Nigella. Cookbook guaranteed bestseller. Serve you that raw, straight salmonella. I'm addicted to the cheddar. And to that breed, and to that feta. Bit of a trendsetter, trips overseas, straight jet setter Yeah, I'm up early, like a bed wetter Chasing a settlement from a big debtor I got a gold eagle on my sweater Apes on my feet, yeah, I'm doing better I got this down to the letter That's why they wanna drop man with the Beretta Some sort of vendetta They wanna slice me up like a bit of pancetta 
say I'm a go-getter And I'm trying to get it in like Dave Getter You can just see that from a get-up Gotta do the beaker, I know it's a set-up City slicker